Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 72. Today, I am joined by Rhiannon Bossy, an amazing friend of mine, and we're just going to have a real conversation about some of the tough seasons of being an entrepreneur, how to tackle them, how sometimes it can feel so isolating, and what it looks like as you navigate through those challenging seasons. No matter where you are at in your business, you'll likely stumble upon one of these seasons, whether you like it or not, and so so today it's all about keeping it real and chatting like two girlfriends would over a margarita and talking about true life and the struggles that come along with dream chasing. You're listening to the Gold Digger podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. This episode of the Gold Digger podcast is sponsored by HoneyBook. HoneyBook is the management software that I use to stay organized, manage invoices, get paid, and give every client an elevated, unforgettable experience. HoneyBook is offering 20% off exclusively for Gold Digger listeners. Just go to honeybook.com slash gold digger to get started and get your life back today. Hey, Gold Diggers, it's Jenna Kutcher, and today I'm hanging out with a gal pal that I have followed for years and years and years, Rhiannon Bossy, and I just love this girl. I've always felt like we're kindred spirits because we're both in the Midwest, which I feel like is hard to find in this creative world that we're in, and Rhiannon is an incredible, incredible wedding planner. She's also a mom to the sweetest little boy, and I'm just really, really excited to talk about real life with her today. and kind of walk through some of the hard stuff that I feel and we feel is just masked on social media or made to look glamorous. So first things first, welcome my sweet friend. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So let's just kick this off. And I want for you to just kind of talk about your journey as an entrepreneur, where you are today, how you landed there, and then we'll dive into the good stuff. 
Sure. So I, like most people, graduated college and couldn't find a job in 2008. If anyone remembers the economy that year, if you graduated from college, it was a, a tricky time. And I'm also Canadian, which some people know, but being Canadian and trying to find a job in a country where you have to be sponsored or on a visa proved to be difficult. So I actually decided in 2008 to go back to school back in Canada, moved home, went to a fast graduate program, got a second degree, still couldn't find a job in the journalism industry, which is kind of what my dream job was at the time. And after still not being able to find a job, you know, two degrees and 11 internships later, decided that in light of my own wedding planning experiences and trying to find something that I felt I was good at and that I really loved, I would create my own job. So that was where my wedding planning business was born. I also, at the time, had a blog. I had started a blog right after graduation. Being a journalism student, it seemed kind of like a natural choice to make. And that blog was actually what I kind of credit most of my beginning success to. It really opened the door to just a lot of opportunities, creating a, a readership base, if you will, that ultimately turned to clients. And from there, my business just kind of snowballed, and I'm really grateful for how quickly it grew. But you know, since then, over the past seven plus years, my business has really grown. We've done a lot of rebrands. Most recently, we rebranded to my own personal name. And there's kind of two facets to my brand, if you will. So there's an embossy, which I like to liken to kind of like anthropology, right? You walk in and anthropology is like the main deal. So that's like the Rian embossy part. But then we have Rian embossy celebrations, which is the wedding planning design and floral facet of what I do. And that's kind of like the beholden part of anthropology. And the reason I did that is in being a mom over the last year and a half and just turning 30 and having, you know, just a lot of seasons change in my personal life. I feel like there's a lot of things I'm called to do and there's a lot of facets in my life that are outside of weddings that I'm really passionate about. And I want to be able to pursue those things and pursue them with a name and a brand, if you will, that kind of leaves room for growth in the future. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And I'm still doing weddings, which I love and which will always kind of be my first love. But this Rian and Bossy brand, I'm hoping will set me up for some more lifestyle focused projects as we move forward. That's amazing. And anyone that's ever rebranded knows that it is a giant process. And I went through it just a year and a half ago, switching from a photography business name just to my name. And there's a lot of gravity on that, but it also just felt like I was actually stepping into myself and kind of freeing myself to be me and to be understood as who I am and not just a business. Did you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, I think I felt a lot of a lot more like vulnerability though too, right? Because under the Hey Gorgeous name, which I had before, I don't want to say it was a mask because I've always been very authentic and I'm an open book, but now it's like, it's me and like, it's my name on everything, right? So when mm -hmm. people say at a wedding, you know, who did the flowers, I'm not saying Hey Gorgeous events and that person has no idea who I am. I'm saying it's me, Rihanna and Bossy. <laughs> it feels like really, just really vulnerable and really upfront. But again, that was part of making the rebrand shift is that I wanted to be that face and I wanted to put myself in that position so that I could have that association with like me as a person being the name of the business. And I also felt like with the Hey Gorgeous name, I ran into so many copyright issues and logo ripoffs and cease and desist. And I felt like I was constantly having to protect that name and protect what I had built under that identity that under my own name, I don't have to work as hard for it because it's my name, right? Like there's no one else is going to try and I hope not rip off who I, you know, who I am as Rihanna Bossy, but it just feels, it feels like sliding in an old pair of running shoes, if that makes any sense. 
Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's exactly how it felt for me too. And I always felt so weird when people would ask like what my business name was, right. but now still I'm like, it's just my name. <laughs> like, yeah. well, I feel like yeah. people don't understand that either. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing too. And I try and not use the word just like justifiers or fillers, you know, like, right. Oh, I was just calling to tell you. Well, no, you're not just calling. You're calling to tell me something. So I try and catch myself when I am in that same circumstance where it's just my name now. Like, no, it's not just my name. My business is my name and and it's an awesome business and I'm awesome and there you have it. Yeah, don't use that just because you're not just Jenna. You're Jenna. (laughs) I love it. So one thing I think that, you know, we're going to have this conversation just kind of move as friends do something that I really respect about you is if you ask Re like, how are you doing today? It's not just this fluffy one word answer. And I feel like a lot of times our society, even just if you're passing somebody on the sidewalk, like, Hey, how's it going? Good, good. And you move on and you're not asking because you actually care or no. But something I think that is so important and just so admirable is like, we meet each other where we're at. And sometimes it's not always pretty. So walk us through kind of what season of life you're in right now, what that looks like, how it's different from past seasons and how you're kind of moving through it. Oh goodness. Well, let's see. As I was telling you earlier before we were officially on our call, if you will, I'm just a big advocate for life ebbing and flowing. And I think there's seasons and I think we're just called to be in different seasons at different points. And I think that life for me at least is seen in a series of valleys and peaks. And sometimes life is really great and it's full of a lot of highs and a lot of bonuses, if you will, and good things. But then I think sometimes we're called to go through really dark seasons and really hard things that are uncomfortable and that are sad. And I feel like I've been a little bit in a valley this year. It's been a tricky year on a a lot of different fronts. I've had a lot of just like physical ailments, I think, that have been related to just emotions and stress. I've recently decided to close up my workshop that I kind of started a long time ago and feel like I was doing something really great with. And I made a hard decision to finish that for some different reasons. And just a lot of personal things in my life that I feel I haven't wanted to, or been really able to put a bow on, on social media, like we do with a lot of issues. And a lot of my hesitation with sharing some of these things has allowed me to feel really alone in a lot of circumstances. I think as business owners who work for themselves and work from home, especially, I think it's really hard to have that sense of like, and I'm using air quotes right now, if you could see me, but that sense of community that we fight so hard for online, like it just doesn't exist at the end of the day for some people. And this season has just been one of refinement for me. There's been a lot of acceptance with my new role as a mom and coming to terms with the fact that that's okay if that's like just what I'm doing right now. And again, it's that just word, right? But I hear so many people say, well, you shouldn't find your value in being a parent and you shouldn't define yourself as a parent. And to that, I say, well, what if that's like where I need to be right now? Right? Like, what if that's enough in this season for me? So I think for me, just extending a lot of grace to myself in this season with all these transitions, finding ways to be healthier. I think as business people and as women, especially, we put our health on the back burner. We put so many other things before ourselves. I think I need to be more forgiving with myself. I'm so sensitive. I care so much about other people, about what they think, about how my actions might affect them. And I just need to like give myself permission to stop that. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I have to like have my priorities and make sure those priorities are met. But then beyond that, like I got to let it go. You know, I've been holding on too long and just almost find the grace in the fact that my biggest weakness is actually my biggest strength. Mm -hmm. And that would come with being really emotional and sensitive, like 
in the times where I'm emotional and sensitive in a good way, that's like where I can really serve others and love well. And that might be my biggest weakness, but if I can like reframe that and find a way to be more positive than negative every day, that's where I want to be right now. I just want to, I want to have more simplicity in my life. I don't want to work for the approval of others and work for a certain amount of money in my, you know, in my bank account. And I don't want to work in circles and like work hard for nothing. So let's talk a little bit about social media, because I think so many of us entrepreneurs have this love-hate relationship with it, but so few of us actually talk about that. And I feel like I try really hard to be honest about what it looks like. And, you know, growing a following, it's not this glamorous things. It's more eyes, more criticism. And especially for people that are incredibly sensitive, what, like, how are you feeling about social media right now? How has it changed maybe from the past? Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> a million ways. <laughs> yeah, I almost wonder how we would feel about social media. And I mean, mostly Instagram. I think we use Facebook and Instagram and Twitter all very differently from one another, obviously. But if I can just speak on Instagram right now, if we woke up tomorrow and we didn't have followers and you didn't have the capacity to like images or leave comments. So it was almost like, I don't even want to say Tumblr because on Tumblr, you could like not pin things, but you used to be able to like leave some sort of feedback on Tumblr. So almost like it's just, you could scroll on Instagram and see pictures and you could like personally react as you're looking at the image or say things out loud, obviously, but there was no way to actually leave your feedback so people could see. I almost wonder if we would have the issues we do with Instagram, if that was the type of social media channel it was. I think we put so much weight in our value as as people or as moms or as wives or as friends based on the feedback of strangers or of people that we think we know online. And I think it's done like, at least for me, it does like a number on your head and your heart and your worth. And I wish there was a way to better use it as a tool because I think it's, mm-hmm. is important. And I think there's a lot of value in it. And I, I owe a lot of opportunities and things in my life to Instagram, but at what cost? Right. And I don't have all the answers. These are just things that I like ponder and talk about with people and, And it is a good tool and I think it should be used as such, but I just, I wonder where the shift's going to be, right? Like, I think we're kind of coming to a peak where like something's got to give and I don't know what that looks like or what that means, but I'm anxious to see over the next six months to a year, how Instagram changes, especially in our creative sphere of being entrepreneurs and being in the wedding industry and, and using Instagram the way we do. Absolutely. And I think too, one of the things that always shocks me is when people say like, I only have 3000 followers. I'm like, when was the last time you stood on a stage in front of 3000 people? Probably never. Like we want every, you know, I think feel like God gave us this desire in our hearts to always want more because we're not made for this earth and to prove that like we can never be fully content where we are right now. But at the same point, it's like people are so focused on more that they're forgetting to like just show up for the people that are already there, whether that's five or a thousand or whether you're not showing up for them at all, but you're just telling your story in a way that you're going to remember it, whatever that looks like, you know? Well, and I think there's so many other avenues of sharing your story, or even if it's not your story, if it's giving back your gifts or like, it might not be a verbal form of sharing, right? Maybe it's a donation or it's an anonymous giving of your time, like whatever it is that showing up means for you. There's so many other avenues to do that, that I think we're losing sight of like how to make that delivery, if that makes any sense. And you know, I think at the end of the day, like, let's say 10 people have unfollowed me, I can sit there and 
stew on it all night? Like, what did I do to upset those 10 people? Or are they sick of seeing my son? Or or is my work too ugly? Or I mean, you go off the deep end, right? If you're someone like me, and you think of all these reasons why 10 people just don't want to see what you have to share anymore. But then I think there's people in our world that don't know where their next meal is coming from. And there's people in this Mm -hmm. world that don't have somewhere to go to bed at night that's safe. And there's people in this world who are hooked up to a machine getting, you know, chemo. And I mean, like your problems are relative to like your circumstances, but that always puts things into perspective to me. Like, okay, forget the 10 people that unfollowed me. Like there are so many things in my life to be grateful for. And Instagram is like 2% of my life pie, if you will. It's a very small, like piece of the crust. And that always gives me like good perspective because if you don't have that perspective, it sucks the joy out of everything you're doing. And then you start thinking about all these things that really just don't have space in your life. Well, and I think it's so funny too. I truthfully have never had an unfollow app because I know it would do a number on me. And at this point now, it's like, I don't even know. I mean, I know maybe 2% of the people that are following me in real life. But the funny thing is too, is a lot of times if somebody unfollows you, it's likely their circumstances and not anything of your doing. And, you know, I felt a weird thing when we went through our miscarriage the first time where I like just in my heart and head just needed to unfollow people that were expecting babies in the same month that we should have been expecting them because those things would have just been hard for me to see at that time. And so, you know, it's like, how much value are we giving these insignificant things in our lives? And like, how can we shift that into something more productive? Right. Well, and that's where I think it comes into play that relationships offline are really important. I'm a big advocate for picking up the phone and calling someone and talking through things, whether they're hard or whether they're easy, you know, and just like a quick catch up. But There's so many things that can be misunderstood online. There's so many, like you said, if somebody else has a circumstance that's driving them to unfollow someone or driving them to make a decision that protects their heart and allows them to exist in a safe space, that's not like an indicator that you're less than or that you're not worthy of that relationship. And just to preface everything I'm saying here, I actually don't have an unfollow app either, but I'm constantly on the edge of like the next number going up, like in Mm -hmm. my followers. And every day it's like, it's between one or the other. And I can tell my numbers have gone down. And it's, I think part of it too, is being so driven and wanting to always excel and succeed and grow. I've tried to figure out this algorithm (laughs) without any like luck. And I keep thinking I've got it figured out and then the number will go down the next day. And then it gets me thinking, well, what am I doing wrong? And what is it about the algorithm that I can't quite like tackle? So yeah, I don't think I would do very well knowing the exact people that are unfollowing. Right. It just feels really like icky, like you're on the playground and no one wants to come over and play Red Rover with you. Like, why do we feel that way? Why do we put ourselves through that and make it so personal? But, you know, we're all works in progress, so... And we, it's easy to focus on that 1% versus the 99, you know, like I think too, you know, I used to be far more sensitive and I think that I have learned how to be emotional about relationships, but very strategic about business. And I think having like being able to compartmentalize those two things have really helped me because I feel like when the emotional stuff was drifting into the business stuff, I wasn't thinking like a CEO. I wasn't making decisions based on the future health of my business. I was looking at it from a way more emotional standpoint. And I think as women's, we're emotional creatures. Like it's normal, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I love that. I think too, that's, I think sometimes I used to be really personal and open on Instagram. And I think 
sometimes a big reason for some of my big chunks of unfollowers is that they miss that because I don't share as much online anymore because those personal things, I want to like guard those and those are my treasures and those are things that I want to like save for myself. Like I don't want to share those things with 63,000 people, you know, I'll Mm -hmm. share them in like little bits and pieces here and there. And I have a blog for those sorts of things. But like you said, I want to still run a profitable, reputable business. And sometimes those two things just don't go hand in hand. So you have to find ways to to keep them separate and find ways to keep the personal and the professional, you know, running on their own tracks, if you will. And that's, that's hard to do, but I think that's part of being a successful businesswoman, right? As you find a way to do both well. Absolutely. So what does this transition look like for you in the sense of craving like a true community in the sense of like face-to-face interactions or phone calls versus this elusive online community. What has that looked like for you? Cause I know like we're in a small town. We don't have a Tuesdays together in this town. We don't really have a creative industry of sorts. You know, I feel like the Midwest sometimes is lacking or a little bit behind the times when it comes to stuff like that. So what does that look like for you? That's such a loaded question. I feel like <laughs> I feel like relationships as an adult are really hard. Mm-hmm. They're they're just awkward sometimes. I also want to make a note on community. I've said this before, and I'm sure I'll get a ton more unfollows for saying it again. I think community is something. I think it's a catchword in our industry, and I think that we've failed to really define what community means. And I think that's where we're finding a lot. Where I feel like I personally am finding a lot of issues. And what I mean by that is like community to me is not a forced coffee date with everybody in my industry, all my competitors on a Tuesday afternoon. And that's great if it works for some people. But for me, that's like not the best way to build relationships. And I hate to feel like that's the only way that community is going to work. And that to be successful, I need that type of community. Because for me, community is paying a friend for something that they worked really hard for and not just going to a coffee shop and showing them my contract so they can copy it. Community is respecting one another. You might not be friends with one another, but you can respect one another and be kind. I think community means a lot of things that we're not talking about. And I think that's where people are maybe coming up feeling disappointed because expectations aren't clear on what community really is. I don't know where that conversation starts. I don't know what the change is. I don't know if I'm the only one that feels this way about it, but community is phone calls and it's real life interactions and it's hard conversations and it's saying I'm sorry and it's showing up. It's a lot of things that have nothing to do with business. To me, community is outside of business, to be honest. I think I've said this before in a different podcast, but I don't think the CEO of McDonald's and the CEO of Burger King are meeting for coffee on Tuesdays and swapping hamburger recipes. Like, They're just not, right? That doesn't Mm -hmm. mean they can't respect one another and they can't be friendly to one another. But I think we just need to really better define what community means because I feel like I don't have community here and I can tell you I'm deserving of community and I can tell you I'm a really good friend and I'm very loyal, but I still feel like it's really hard to find quote unquote community, at least the community that I think we've defined in our industry. 
I think, too, I've talked about this on the show before, but I think that sometimes the word can create a sense of entitlement. Like if you are a true community member, I am entitled to your secrets or your trade secrets or how you're doing things. And I have definitely noticed, especially over recent years, this higher sense of entitlement in this lower level of respect. And I don't think people ever come at it with that perception or that intention. But at the same time, it's kind of like that. I'll take you out for coffee to pick your brain. And to me, if I don't have time to have coffee with my husband, why would I take the time to go and sit down and like teach somebody all these things that I have worked so hard to? And I know for me, the answer to those questions was in creating resources like this, the podcast, or creating courses where I could actually make a bigger impact with a repeatable system so that I wasn't feeling guilt over declining requests like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's really smart to create those resources because resources are definitely needed. I just think they have to be the right resources and they have to be resources that are respectful, if you will, of the things that people have learned that they've put time into learning and energy and You know, when I first started my business, I was told no by a lot of people. And I was, Mm -hmm. you know, doors were shut in my face and nasty things were said. And I mean, it was like, put your big girl panties on, Ray. Like, you have a business now. Like, you need to act like an adult and act like an entrepreneur. And, you know, I learned really quick. I had to grow up really fast. And, you know, I still get no's and I still get doors slammed in my face. And that's like part of life. But I know now that looking back, there were people that gave me yeses and that took chances on me. And those people in those circumstances were pivotal to who I am now. So as much as I like to have boundaries now, and like you said, if I don't have time to have coffee with my husband or get down on the carpet and play with my son, you can bet I'm not going out to Starbucks for two hours to just give away everything, like all the keys to my kingdom, if you will. Even though I'm not doing that, if the right person comes along and asks in a respectful way, feedback of me or enlightenment from me, I'm going to pick up the phone and give it because I'm a kind Mm -hmm. person. But again, the circumstance has to be right and you have to just show respect. I feel like, I know I've said that word a few times, but I think there's this element of respect that's missing in community. And I think we're just like you said, we're just all entitled to thinking we need everything right away to be overnight sensations. And like, that's not how you build something of value and integrity. Like these things take time. And I guess that's one thing that I wish I could kind of sprinkle over everybody that's up and coming is that like put in the hard work and the time and something good will come out of it. It's like gardening, right? Like Laura Casey always talks about, Mm -hmm. uh, you can't just plant seeds and then wake up and you have a beautiful sunflower. Like that stuff takes time. You got to put the seeds in the ground. You got to water it. You got to hope you get good sun. You got to go out and get the weeds out. Like it's a process of little by little, the good things grow. And that's very indicative of how a business should be. I think too, I think with social media and such in the whole numbers game, I think that it, it tricks people into thinking that overnight success exists. And I mean, what year did you start your blog? 2009 Valentine's Day. Yep. And I started mine like in 2010. And so you look at that and we're sitting here seven years later, seven years. And I think that a lot of times, you know, if people jump into your journey at this stage of the game, it looks so much different than what it did back then. And so many things have changed and the industry has evolved and the standard has evolved and what success looks like has evolved. So let's talk a little bit about just transitioning your idea of success into something other than what society is putting on you? 
Yeah. And I mean, just to add to that too, I think, I think it's really easy to look at somebody, let's say just from their Instagram profile and think they've got it all figured out that so-and-so might, you know, have all the things that are desirable in life just because, you know, their life in squares looks really glamorous and lovely. And I think that's, that's a slippery slope into going somewhere you don't want to go with your thoughts. I'm here to say publicly that that's not the case. But in terms of success, I mean, I remember writing down in a notebook at a conference, I will be a success when, and I filled in that blank and I wrote, when I will make enough money that's comparable to the salary at a job, like where I'm hired to come on and, and work for a company. And for years, I ran a company thinking that that was like the key to feeling fulfilled. If I could just have enough money in my bank account that would be comparable to maybe what a friend or a colleague would be making, then I will have been a success. And how awful is that, right? How awful to make decisions and strive for things simply based on a numbers game. And it took me a lot of self-reflection and being honest with myself and conversations with my husband and figuring out, okay, like what does my ideal life look like? And in five years, what do I want life to look like? 10 years, 20 years, 50 years from now, what am I going to look back on and remember and value? And it had nothing to do with money in my account. I think money is important. So I just, I want to put that out there. I think money is a tool like Instagram and it's how we live and eat and, you know, have shelter. But I also think that you can get by and you can be happy with less money than I think we need. And for me being successful, I created some prompts and those prompts are things that I reference from time to time. And they basically start out with, I will be a success when, and then I fill in those prompts and they change as seasons change in my life. But I will be a success when I can be a hands-on mom and give my son the love and attention I know he deserves. And I will be a success when I can contribute to my household in ways that either, I don't want to say like fulfill our lives, but in ways that can help pay our bills and or fund, you know, vacations together or special mm -hmm. excursions together. So what that means is that I am very blessed to be in a dual income household where I don't have the pressure to book 30 weddings a year and, you know, make six figures. I still contribute to my household and I work hard for that so that I can feel successful. But that's, again, something that is the definition of success for me and my relationship because I'm married and I have a husband. For me, success is when I can wake up and feel like my job fulfills me and gives me a lot of satisfaction. When I wake up and my job feels like a chore and I dread going into my studio and I you know, dread opening my emails and I'm feeling resentful towards clients, that's a sign that my definition of success isn't lining up with my reality. And these are just mm -hmm. things that are very, very true for me and maybe nobody else. But again, if I'm striving to meet someone else's definition of success, how am I ever going to be content? I'm not. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really hard to focus on your own lane and to focus on doing things in a different way. But when you can focus on what makes you happy and content and joyful and successful, I think that's like the secret sauce. And I think that's where we're missing things. Absolutely. And I don't think that we often enough stop and ask ourselves those questions. I think, you know, I've talked about it before, but it's like, we're afraid to be alone with our thoughts these days. And that's why we have, 
you know, addictions to our phones or Netflix or whatever that looks like. We don't like to be quiet with ourselves anymore for fear of what will be revealed. And I think a lot of times we have just our head down in the monotony of the work that we're doing that we never actually stop to define those things and to really ask ourselves, like, how am I feeling today about what I'm about to do? Like, if I am unhappy multiple days in a row, something has to change. And I think that we're sometimes afraid to even go there with ourselves because we might not be happy, yet the persona or the things that we're emitting online look like we should be. You know, we almost feel guilt that we're not content in that. Right. Or we're forcing things, right? Like how many times have you felt like, oh, I'm having a bad day, but I'm just going to like quickly rearrange my desk and Instagram a picture that makes it look like I have a really great day going on and I'm going to feel really good once I get likes and validation from all these strangers online. So I'm going to force my happiness and I'm going to force my joy today. I'm going to force my contentment. And I mean, I fall into that trap many times and that more than anything leaves you feeling worse than you did to start. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think being alone with your thoughts is a really, it's like mindfulness, right? It's a really insightful, beneficial way to be mindful of yourself and your surroundings I see a counselor and I love her to death. She's wonderful. And she every day asks me before we start our session, do you want to meditate today? And I'm like, hell no, I don't want to meditate. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Sounds terrible. I'm like, well, what do we do? And she's like, well, we just, we sit here and we're mindful of our time and our space with one another. And I'm like, so we don't talk or I'm like, I could go through my list of to-dos that I have going on. She's like, well, no, that's the point is we're not supposed to be thinking about anything. And I'm like, that sounds awful. Like there's things to think about and there's things to do and why would we waste time just sitting here being mindful? And the more that I've gone to see her and the more that I've kind of come into this season, if you will, of transitions, I'm realizing that there's a lot of beauty and truth in being mindful, right? Like that's where the mm-hmm. good stuff comes. And I think next time I go to see her and she asks to meditate, I might take her up on it because it sounds really nice. <laughs> Absolutely. We're, I actually, so very parallel to kind of where you're at with things. I can have hermit tendencies where I really love to just be home. And I tell myself, like, I do my best work at home. I I recharge when I'm alone. And I really stepped out of my comfort zone. And I'm sharing an office space with some of my girlfriends. And I told myself, like, well, maybe I'll work there like one or two days a week. Well, I've been finding myself craving like human like encounters and actual conversations, but we are now doing meditation Mondays, which is two hours of just like being and just being. And I'm like, gosh, it does sound terrifying to me. But at the same time, meditation is something that I've wanted to get into, but it's like one of those things where it's the last thing on your list and that's not the exact opposite of what it should be, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's funny to my doctor. So like I was telling you, I spent the first nine weeks of this year, I had a liver infection and I had these flu symptoms and it almost was like I had Crohn's, mono, the flu. I mean, I went down a list of like what I could have and I mean, Googling everything, which is like the cardinal sin of music (laughs) and just could not figure out what was wrong. And finally, after about three, four weeks of just feeling really, really sick all the time, went to the doctor and we did all this blood work and just lots of scary results and hepatitis tests. I mean, you know, running the gamut on what it could be. And it ended up being what they thought was a liver infection. And it just kind of cured itself eventually. And I remember my doctor looking at me and she said, what do you do for you? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, what do you do to like relax or rest or take care of yourself? And I said, well, I sleep. 
<laughs> like, well, like you take naps. And I was like, oh no, 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 I don't take naps. I'm like, when do I, I haven't taken a nap since before I had my son. I said, well, no, like I sleep at night sometimes. And she gave me this look, I'll never forget it. And she was like, okay, well, most people do that. And I said, well, yeah, that's when I rest. And she's like, you need to take care of yourself. And she kind of gave me like mm-hmm. a stern motherly look. And that was like a really big like click moment for me where I was like, okay, like when is the last time I read a book or went for a walk mm-hmm. without my headphones or sat on my porch with a cup of lemonade and like really just did nothing. Like I mm-hmm. like opportunities to do nothing are in my eyes opportunities to get stuff done. And just kind of reframing how I view those opportunities has been really helpful that like going for the walk without your phone is really good and it's mm-hmm. rejuvenating. And there was just, I don't know, so much honesty in hearing my doctor say that for me because like I don't do anything for self-care. And if I'm not my best, I can't be my best to everyone around me. It's like that airplane analogy when the oxygen masks fall they tell you like you put your mask on first before you help anyone else and I always used to get really upset because I'm like you can bet I'm gonna like help my kid first or you know the old lady beside me that can't reach the mask like I'm gonna help others before I help myself because we're women that's what we do right we help Mm -hmm. everybody else before ourselves but the irony there is if you are too sick to get out of bed and you are too depressed to put a smile on your face when your husband walks through the door and you are throwing up every day because you're so sad and overwhelmed, you are good to nobody. And Mm -hmm. that is the most humbling experience to go through and to wake up and think I am a work in progress and I have to get better before anyone else can benefit from who I am. Isn't it crazy too? like I we were just up at my family cabin for the weekend and there legitimately is no service and you almost feel this like sense of like urgency at the beginning of it and it takes you time to like settle back in to life without Instagram and you know and it's like once you're there you're like this is the most freeing thing ever I need to do this way more often and then somehow you go back home and you're right back at it you know and it's such a reminder of like we don't slow down and, you know, we don't give ourselves those chances. And I don't think self-care is like taking a bath and calling it a day. Like, I think self-care is, you know, finding passions outside of the things you're getting paid for and, you know, listening to your body and being an advocate for your health and, you know, kind of some of that stuff that just hits the wayside when we're looking at being productive or feeling like we're intentional or whatever that looks like as entrepreneurs. Well, I think we've built this culture of, I don't even know what you want to call it, but we've almost built this culture that says self-care is indulgent. Or selfish. That, yeah, or selfish. And that if you even fantasize about self-care, you'll be seen as guilty or lazy. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I felt in the past. So, you know, you see t-shirts and mugs and all these tchotchkes and things that have, you know, catchy quotes on them like, hustle harder or, you know, what, I don't even own any of them, but I'm just, you know, I see them on Instagram and my explore and I see them on Etsy and I see all these things that are promoting and glamorizing that like hard work is like what you should be doing. And I don't dare take a nap if like hustling is what I should be doing. Right. And I should be hustling extra hard because I've got a husband, a son, a home, all these things that need to be, you know, catered to in my life. And I say, screw that, you know, I'm going to take the nap and I'm going to go for the walk and I'm going to be mindful and meditate and do all these things because I can tell you the opposite of hustling until you're blue in the face each day is complete exhaustion and sickness. And it's, 
you know, strained relationships and it's marriage counseling because your spouse gets put on the back burner and it's all these things start to crumble around you because you can only hustle so much until you get really tired and you have to give up and like wave your white flag. So Mm -hmm. I'd rather invest in self-care and feel a little bit guilty about it than work my fingers to the bone (laughs) and feel like everything around me has just fallen apart. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the hardest things that I always just struggle with as somebody who's seen as an educator is so many of us who society would call successful, in a sense, so many of us have gone through these seasons of total burnout, where it's like, we are almost like, done, like legitimately done. Like I, there was a season where I just craved that office that I was so excited to leave that nine to five without all the pressure. And I think it's just so hard to see people that are just starting out and to say like, skip that season of hustle because so many of us had to hit that breaking point, even like your sickness to really understand the severity of what's going on. And, you know, I, I was just like, Like if I could guard anyone from those hard seasons, it would be like my biggest honor to do that. But I always struggle with like, well, how do you teeter on explaining what that's like without people fully understanding how heavy those seasons are, you know? Well, you almost have to like walk through it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like it's hard to, it's hard to put words to it even. Well, yeah, or to explain it to somebody until they've been through it, right? It's like... It's like walking down the aisle, right? When you're married, mm-hmm. like, you, like, you know, it's going to be emotional, nerve wracking. You'll probably be like a little bit uncomfortable with everyone looking at you. But until you're actually a bride, like walking down the aisle, like you really, you don't fully comprehend what it's like until you're in that situation. So yeah, I think, I think you just bring up so many great points about self-care and taking care of yourself. Here's my question for you. I know that you're interviewing me, but yeah. what would be, or who would be for you, your... I don't want to say role model because that's like mm-hmm. a weird word, but who would you look at? And it's not even our industry. It can just be in life in general that truly exemplifies having made it or maybe not having made it because I think that puts things in context of like a final destination. Like you are yep. here, but like who do you think is like living out a life that is truly their definition of success? Like who can who even comes to mind for you? Joanna Gaines, 110%. I think that she on Fixer Upper, like they have this TV show, but we were just in Waco and they live an incredibly private life. They don't own a television. They spend a ton of time with their kids. She has really branched out her business in a way that I think is just really, really inspiring in terms of using her gifts. But like she protects her privacy in a really cool way. And I think that she has a gift of making people feel like they know her without putting their lives on blast in a sense. So that's the person that comes to mind when I think of that. Yeah. No, I love that. Is there somebody maybe less I don't want to say celebrity status, yeah. but yeah, somebody that, and not that Joanna's not relatable because I, I love her too, but somebody maybe who's not as well known that you can think of off the top of your head. Well, I would say like Laura Casey, I, whenever I talk to her, I always just feel like my feet are planted a little firmer on the ground and she was on the show. And I think that's something that's beautiful about her is that she 
can go through a season of hustle, but then she can follow that up with a season of rest. And I think that she's very honest about her priorities changing in life. And, you know, there are seasons where it's all about the kids and then there are seasons about creating her best work. And, you know, it's, it's so hard to, I think a lot of people when they aren't parents, kind of like the aisle moment, like you don't know what it's going to be like and you don't know what your heart's going to feel like and you don't know if you're going to have a gift at being a mom or if you're really going to struggle and you don't know if your kid is going to be healthy or not. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that it's always so hard, especially if you have the desire of starting a family on your heart where people are like, well, you'll just never be ready because I think we trick ourselves into thinking like I am ready, like I, I desperately want this, but she would be somebody that I would think of. Do you have anyone in mind? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I think Laura is is a great example. And I know Laura very well. She's a dear friend and I love her. What I love most about Laura is her unapologeticness, if that's even a word. She makes her decisions and she lives her life and she's aware of her relationships and people in her life and wants to make sure everyone feels taken care of and loved. But Laura comes first, right? Well, I would say that she would agree God comes first and then Laura and then Laura's family. And it's kind of like a hierarchy, right? That trickles down from there. Like her priorities are in the right spot, but she gives so much of herself to those priorities. And she's very unapologetic of anything that doesn't make the cut. And I love that about her. I love that her living out her dream life and her calling gives people like me the confidence to do the same. Because mm-hmm. that's really scary, right? To do something that not a lot of other people are doing. So yeah, I would have to agree with you. You know, I love Joanna, like I said, but I know Laura personal and I've yeah. walked through some messes with her and I just love also seeing like how she's reinvented herself, which is really cool. I don't know many successful, I'm using air quotes again, successful people who have gone through the gamuts of life and like reinvented themselves and still found a way to stay true to their calling like Laura has. Mm-hmm. That's really inspiring for me as somebody that's been in the trenches of reinventing themselves and you know, kind of being a little bit unsturdy on their own feet. It's really inspiring to see Laura do it because it gives me confidence that I'll come out on the other side too. Absolutely. So before we wrap it up, what are you excited about right now? What is something that you're just looking forward to or feeling inspired by or pumped up for? What's something in that life? Oh gosh. I'm just so excited about peace in my life. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's just on top of the sickness and kind of lost my mom this year and I've my family's just kind of fallen apart there's been a lot of just like behind the scenes stuff that's been really messy and heavy and with my business changing everything that I thought I knew I'm like questioning now like I'm just in this place of a lot of uncertainty and a lot of confusion and for the first half of the year I just felt like God was throwing all these things my way and I it was like a backpack of bricks right and I felt like every day there'd be another brick added. And I would pray and ask and say like, okay, just God, like take away, not even the whole backpack, like just remove one of these bricks because I physically cannot carry this anymore. And every time a brick would be removed, I'd be like, okay, this is better. I can do this. Lights at the end of the tunnel. And then the next day would feel like three bricks would be added. And I finally got to a point where yesterday actually, which is funny, our calls today, but yesterday I had just a good day and I felt like, this year, like God's not done with me. He's made it very clear. (laughs) So I'm just going to like palms up and accept like what comes my way next. But this year, like 2017 is going to be the year that next year, five years from now, 10 years from now, 
I look back on and see it was a really beautiful time of refinement. And I'm grateful Mm -hmm. for that. I'm grateful for the mess and the uncertainty and the emotional turmoil, whatever you want to call it. Like those things are good because we can't be at a perpetual peak, you know, our entire life. We have to have these valleys where we are molded and where we grow and where we learn. And, and I'm grateful for that. So I'm excited just about finding this inner peace and really redefining, I think, who I am. I've just changed a lot as a wife. I've changed a lot as a mom. I've changed a lot as a friend with a lot of relationships in my life. And there's like a sense of maturity that's come with that that's really um, refreshing. So I'm just, I'm excited about kind of the unknown and just having a really great sense of peace with that. I think that's amazing. And I I feel the same about the season I'm in right now. And there is just some sort of peace that comes along with like, I know that someday I'm going to look back at this time and see that bigger picture. And even though the days feel really dim or hard, like I trust that there's a greater plan at play. And I feel like I always just say like, God hasn't let me down yet. And so I don't think he's going to start now, which is exciting. And it gives us hope when we're going through those crazy seasons. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, without those crazy seasons, what do you have to like hope and pray for? Right? Mm -hmm. Like what, what's on the horizon for you if everything went your way, if everything was easy or perfect, or if everybody liked you, if everyone liked Mm -hmm. everything you had to say, if you had a million friends, like, I don't think that would be fulfilling. I don't think that would be joyful. I don't think that would bring you lasting contentment. I really don't. I think sitting in the mess and having good people to sit in that mess with you is something to strive for. And I love what you said about God not letting you down yet. I look back on all of the times in my life where I really felt like it was rock bottom or I really Mm -hmm. felt like I would not make it out. I've always come out of it. You know, Mm -hmm. I've always found a way to turn it around and use that as a learning experience. And those have been pivotal times in my life where I've seen a shift in who I am or a shift in my life. And without those shifts, I wouldn't be where I am right now with you. And Yeah. I mean, the future has a lot of promise to it. And I love that. Yes, Amen. So where can everybody find you to look at your beautiful work to get insight into your life and the seasons and just connect with you outside of the show? Yeah, well, I'm on Instagram. It's just Rhiannon Bossy. So my name, but I mean, I feel like directing people that way after this podcast seems a little (laughs) calling the kettle black. I don't know if that's right analogy, but send me an email. I mean, I'm I have a pretty full schedule most days, but if anyone listens to this and feels like if you have a relationship with your mom that is non-existent, if you feel really called to just, and I'm putting air quotes around it, just be a mom, if you feel like your marriage is in a really great place and it maybe wasn't before, if you're a wedding plan, like if you feel connected to anything I said, please send me an email and let's build a community outside of you know, where we're supposed to build community or where, we're, mm-hmm. where we think we're supposed to build community. And like, let's build a relationship there instead of just liking my pictures and following me. You can do that. It's just hello at com. I also have a blog. I'm not super active on there, but when I do blog, it's usually good stuff. So you can follow along some of my lifestyle projects over there. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Perfect. Oh my gosh. Well, my friend, I love you and I will walk with you through the seasons. And I'm just really grateful for your honesty and for this conversation. I feel like people will feel more human after this. And I think that is such a beautiful gift. Oh, thank you. I I appreciate you letting me talk about things that might not be business savvy, but they're life savvy things. And I hope that you find some time today to be mindful and just sit back and have some self-care because you deserve it. And you're great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. 
Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You gold digging dream chaser, you.